Hello everyone and welcome to the Brutley Bugle, the best place to get your Cali United fix in the podcast world. I'm Lee Rooney. And I'm Mike Booth. On today's episode, we look back on Keith Millen's first win in charge of the Blues, that they eventually saw off plucky non-league opponents Horsham at the weekend, and we look ahead to the first Cumbrian derby with fans in attendance in 57 years as Barrow come to Brenton Park. One day I will nail it. Again, <laughs> I rushed it just a little bit too much. Like, I never, I never actually test it really. I just sort of put about three and three and a bit of lines in and hope that it will fit in. But there you go. Uh, yeah, so we're back for another episode of the Brunton Bugle. Uh, obviously, Mike's joining me today. Mike, how's it going, mate? Yeah, good. Uh, you know, I'm a little bit. More positive than uh, the last time we spoke. Yeah, a little bit. Let's not get too excited. Yeah. It's only Horsham. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, it's, it's been a while since you've been on, actually, hasn't it? I think it's back yeah. when we were still discussing managers and stuff like that. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we'll get some initial early thoughts on Keith Millen's time in charge so far. Um, let's get into the news then first, mate. Just a couple of little bits to cover here. Um, in fact, there's another extra bit just coming just before we're recording there. So, uh yeah, uh, the FA Cup second round, obviously, as everyone already know, we're through to the second round of the Cup. And the draw took place on Monday night after the Dagenham against Salford game on ITV4. And uh, United have been drawn to face Shrewsbury Town from League One at Brunton Park in the second round. Um, the game will see the return to Brunton Park of strikers Ryan Bowman and Sam Cosgrove, who are both part of the Salop squad. Uh, the game will take place uh, on the weekend of the 4th of December. Um we're not going to be one of the live TV games. We now know that uh, because we are not Salford FC. So, you know, that's not <laughs> going to happen. Um, but I mean, whether it will be one of the you know TV highlight things, I don't know. There's only 20 fixtures in this round, isn't it? Six have already been mm. shown on telly. So how many are actually going to be shown, shown in terms of highlights and that kind of thing? I'm not sure. Um, the, the, the TV games they've chosen, uh, I'd only really maybe take issue with like the, the Rochdale, Sheffield Wednesday, Plymouth ones and... Things Obviously like Salford. that. And Salford. I mean, there's an argument Salford, yeah, is a non-league team. I mean, Chesterfield are arguably got more money than Salford right now from what mm. they've been spending on wages. And and yeah, I mean, Boreham Wood against St. Albans, local derby, mm. I suppose. But I mean, it's not not for, not one for the purists, that one, I think it's fair to say, is it? No, but I mean, it's one of them, isn't it, where the draw will be after the game and sort of, you know, for either of them clubs to reach the third round will be massive for them. And, you know, I think the whole studio will be sort of rooting for the winner to get like Manchester United away and they'll probably just get like Plymouth or someone. <laughs> or Ultra or someone like that. Yeah. An old league team has got through probably. But no, no, look. Um, okay, well, uh, let, let's move on to the next bit, Mike. Um, this is something that emerged the other day. Uh, the United Sports Trust, um, or Kiosk, the official sports club, whatever you want to call them, um, they put out a statement. I mean, they, they, they've got a bit of criticism recently, haven't they, from uh, quite a number of quarters. I think... John Coleman's been quite strong on them in a few columns mm. as well in terms of not really doing the jobs in that sense. And there's, you know, a lot of fans reacting and saying, what are you actually doing? What are you thinking? And they put out a statement um, to, to counter that. Just under 1,200 words to say, f*** all, basically. Mm. Mm. Well, I, 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 yeah. I've, I've read it two or three times now, God help me. And I'm, I'm none the wiser. 
essentially they're basically just saying, oh, we can't say anything, you know, with potential financial repercussions, we don't say anything. There seems to be no feeling of the urgency that the club faces, not just like yeah. in terms of the threat of relegation this season, but just the, the future threat of the club. It, yeah, uh, I mean, it's... I, I'm, I'm going to level with you here. I haven't read this statement because I didn't read this one and I didn't read the last one either because... I've read the ones before it, and they're, they're all just the same. They don't say anything. Like, it's a waste of time reading it. I mean, I kind of wish that, um, like, when I was at uni and I struggled to keep up with my word counts and stuff, that, like, you know, I had someone from the trust with me because they can <laughs> just use a lot of words to say absolutely nothing. Like, every, sing- every single one, it's the same. Like, there's there's no point. And, you know, what, what are they doing? You know, I, we have other fans, you know, when you're on their podcasts and stuff, and they're saying, oh, it must be good having, like, you know, the uh, fans' trust sort of owning part of the club. No, no, it isn't. You know, yeah, it's just... just... I mean, I mean it, this is one for that, the State of the Club episode when we eventually get yeah. that. Hopefully, we might be able to do it this Sunday. I need to check whether Dan's available on Sunday mm. or not. But, um, but I mean, the, the biggest problem is they've only got 400 members, so they haven't really got a mandate. So the club mm. can effectively ignore them, really. Mm. If they if they were like Exeter's Sports Trust, which has what over three thousand members or something like mm. that, that now that's a pressure group. That's a mm. group that can say to them, you know, book your ideas up here. We can potentially you know vote with our feet and things like that. There's no collective mm. account. Out. That's a big problem, and mm. we've seen this uh, Unity Forty or group has appeared in the last week. Uh, mm. Might come up to something we never know. It's, it's it's something that's been started, and good luck to everyone who, who's who's working on that. And there needs to be something anyway. But I think we, we could go on all day about that. So yeah. probably best to, to we'll leave it that. for this episode for the for the future episode. Um, just one little bit that's coming just before we recorded here. Actually, um, you might have seen this story, Mike. Um, Shelter basically of um, that they've been pushing. The shelter is the homeless charity you may all be yeah. aware of. So they've been uh, working with Premier League clubs. And what they wanted to do was on Boxing Day, highlight obviously the fact that a lot of people are still homeless at Christmas. And they wanted to have a hashtag no home kit campaign where Premier League clubs wear their away kits for one game at home, basically, to highlight mm. homelessness. And there'll be fundraising that would be, take place and things like that, etc., etc. Brilliant idea. I mean, really, yeah. really clever marketing in, in the way they've done it. And and all the Premier League clubs were like, great, let's do it. You know, it sounds like a good idea. The Premier League have turned on and said, no, mm. rules-wise, you can't do it. The rules won't allow for it. I mean, this is the Premier League that allowed Man United to bend the rules to get Cristiano Ronaldo the number seven shirt well, in yeah. return. So it shows where their priorities are, doesn't it? Mm. But the EFL, to their credit, have come out and said, yeah, we're fine with that. Sounds like a good initiative. Um, and United have literally just tweeted just before we record here today to say that they're planning to support this initiative on Boxing Day by wearing an away kit uh, in the home game against uh, Rochdale. So you know, fair play at the club, and hopefully there'll be a bit of fundraising done in relation to that. It's, it's you know, the club deserves a lot of criticism for a lot of things they do, but actually there is many things they do that are really good as well. And this is an example, another example of one of them, isn't it? Really, so. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I mean, it's something as well, though, that because we've had it before, where we've had like um, away games uh, where we sort <laughs> of could wear blue and we haven't worn blue, and we reckon that it's too much work for the kit man to do from like the Tuesday night to the Saturday kind of thing. So, yeah. uh, well, sulfur playing red, don't they? So we're okay. For yeah. The next well, game, well, no. I mean, well, we, we play uh, Bradford at home on the eighteenth, don't we? And then Rochdale is on the twenty uh, sixth. So maybe you know, rather than use the 
home kit twice in the space of a week. You know, we get uh, the kit man gets uh, some time off. Yeah, indeed. indeed. So there you go. That's, that's uh, United going to be supporting that initiative, which is uh, fantastic news. And just another little bit, we spotted um, Nigel Clibbins has been doing a few bits with the BBC, hasn't he, this week, talking about um, yeah. the effect of, in terms of um, climate change and obviously linked to COP26 and all stuff like that. Um, there's been a uh, a bit of talk of how, how is uh, climate change affecting football clubs and you know, in the EFL at the very least, we're at the forefront of that with the, the flooding that's happened at Brunton Park down the years. And some really interesting insights, wasn't there, from Nigel? I think that it might be a little bit wake-up called to some of our fans in terms of actually how much it costs to run our club, right? it? Yeah, well, because he, he mentioned as well that, you know, getting insurance was actually very difficult mm. after the floods um, and the EFL actually helped us do that. And which begged the question for me, what happens if we go out of the EFL? But um, oh, that's a risk, yeah. Yeah, um, but obviously, yeah. So, like, apparently now we we have like a huge excess if this floods again. It's um, almost barely not worth having it, isn't it? But you suppose you yeah, have to have yeah. it just in case something major happens. And yeah, and 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 to be honest, I mean, I don't want to sound negative here, but it's a case of when it floods again, not if, yeah. because Which the, is, the the way things are, you know. Which is why we need to find a, either one a new ground that we can mm. move to. And ideally, you'd want your local council to support that. Again, this is something we'll discuss in the State of the Club mm. episode. But um, oh, you need to basically rebuild Brunton Park and design everything so that the ground floor is effectively a shell that you mm. can allow to flood when there's floods. And basically mm. say, that okay, if flooding happens there, that's fine because we can refit that within a week and it's not going to mm. cost us an absolute fortune to do it. You know, mm. Essentially, like having the East Stand as it is now, uh, with all the offices on the, the first floor so they don't flood. Mm. But basically, all the bottom ground floor ones, yes, if they flood, it's going to cost you a little bit, but it's not going to cost you a fortune. Mm. That's what you're probably looking at. But again, it's the cost of doing that. Um, mm. Whether we can or not, I don't know. But to, to be honest, it's kind of weird. We, we kind of almost need a big flood to happen so we can prove that these new flood defences, the extended flood defences work to show that the, the insurers, well, actually, look at the rainfall then and he didn't flood. And yeah, it's not, it's not no, where you want, you don't want that to happen, but that's the only way. No, maybe. although knowing insurance companies, they won't care one bit. <laughs> you know, oh, they, wow. they, they'll uh, want every penny that you can get. Well, indeed, indeed. Right, well, that's a new section done, Mike. Let's move on to the uh, match view. Um, yeah, it was a bit more of a slog than we might have hoped. This uh, Cal United two Horsham nil result, um, but in the end, United comfortably secured their place in the next round of the FA Cup after seeing off a, a spirited performance of their opponents from. Three divisions below us. But the big positive here, Mike, is getting a win and a clean sheet, but there's still a few worrying signs and there needs to be significant strengthening in the January transfer and everything. We all still accept that, don't we? Yeah, definitely. Um, and, you know, like you said before, it's only Horsham. But, yeah. you know, um, but it's it's a step in the right direction. I mean, you know, it's only fair that we can give some credit because if we'd lost, we'd be given a hell of a lot of yeah. criticism. So, um, yeah, and... Um, you know, uh, I think Young is maybe, you know, doing enough now to uh, say to the manager, I need to be starting games. Um, I was a little bit disappointed because I was listening on the radio. Um, mm-hmm. Millen, after the game, was saying uh, that he was, like, super impressed with Alessandra and Abraham's work great uh, and seemed to hint that he'd have them start in the future because of that. Um, uh, we'll, we'll, I've got that down as one of the points, and I think I'll, I will cover that my, my views on yeah. that uh, shortly. But, um, but yeah, on the, uh, the game itself, I mean, we never really, I'll, I'll be honest with you, Mike, we never looked like we were going to concede a goal in this game. There was mm. one cross early on 
There was one free kick drilled in low, and that's literally about it, to be honest. Mm. And you know that they look like a side that was struggling in their league, to be honest. And it mm. was it's probably we were lucky we didn't get a team that's at the top of their non-league setup because if they were, they might have had a bit more of a go and might have caused a few problems possibly. But as it was, they they never really looked like uh, they were going to threaten Mike Mark Howard's goal. To be honest, for most of the match and. Despite that, though, it was quite a slog to avoid a replay. I mean, didn't score till the 69th minute and then didn't get the second till the, what, 90th. Mm. That, that's that's not ideal, that. You, you'd want to get them really seen off by half-time, to be honest, a couple of goals before half-time. But mm. truth be told, I think we, we, we just didn't quite do it in this one, to be honest. But we, we, we got over the line, and that, uh, that's the important thing. The cup, isn't it? You get to the next round, take your prize money and, and carry on, really, don't you? Yeah, I mean, would you say, like, as a as a fan, uh, you know, because obviously I wasn't there to sort of yeah. notice, but w- was it like visible, like, sort of the sort of players' body language now with like Millen, and sort of did did it seem more positive? Um, it's a good question. Uh, whether it seems more positive, I don't know. There was a noticeable change in style. There's no real lumping the ball up to someone's head, basically, for most of the game. There was long balls played, but it was long balls played. For a striker to chase onto to, to the channels yeah. and stuff like that, and over the top for to, to basically take advantage of a slower defence. Unfortunately, Abraham and Alessandro weren't particularly great at getting anywhere near any of those balls. Mm-hmm. That, that was part of the problem. Mm. Um, whereas Fishburne and Young, when they were on, especially Young, Young was very good at doing that. And if, yeah. if you're going to play that style, he'll be absolutely ideal because he, I, I imagine, he'd run all day. To be honest, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think there was a noticeable start. They all seemed a bit more comfortable in this game than they did against mm. um, in, in, in some of the previous games. I wasn't at Northampton, but we've, we've all seen the footage and we've all yeah, heard yeah. we were there and we know that it was bad. It wasn't great. I mean, it, it's just a hard one to judge, mate. It really is mm. because you don't know whether we played fairly well and got a comfortable victory or we've not done really enough and just scabbed a win against a, a, a pretty poor side, if we're mm. honest. It's tough. It's it's it's, yeah. it's hard one to judge. I mean, he did say before the game he'd pick his strongest side, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. A few eyebrows raised, maybe, when you saw this lineup. Obviously, you were you were there, but when you saw the line, what was your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, for me, you can almost have your non-strongest side on paper been stronger than your strongest side, if that makes sense. So, like players say, starting someone like Fishburne, say. He'd yeah. really want to go out and have a point to prove, kind of thing, mm-hmm. and you know he'd be desperate. And same with other other young lads, you know, they'd be really up for it. And I think that we could have maybe done with a little bit of that injected into the team. Um, it seems like, I mean, yeah, certain players are getting games without earning them. To be honest, yeah, yeah I don't, I don't agree with you on that one. Um, I mean. It was good to see Riley come back in. I was I was pleased with that. I think he did mm. very much earned his, his place back in the team, and I think he showed what he's all about. He had a couple of nervy moments early on. He, he lost the ball a couple of times, but he he generally was as solid you'd expect, and he, he drove yeah. us forward when he could. Um, Clough on the left, an interesting one. Obviously, Dickinson wasn't fit for this game. Hopefully, he'll be fit this weekend. But it was interesting. He he spent a lot of his time drifting away from the as the left ends you'd expect coming inside mm. and 
to be honest, it's probably a, a game where you could afford to do that. Maybe you'd, you're not going to be punished as much against a, a Horsham for leaving a little bit of a gap on the left. Yeah, well, their fullback's probably a plumber, isn't he? But um, <laughs> the, 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 the Bolton fans that I work with said, do not play him on the wing. Like yeah. just do not do it. So yeah, he wasn't really. Take that he, he wasn't really so much as a winger though. Was he? That's the thing. He, mm. was, he was more coming inside really, and it yeah. was just basically it was a position for him at the start of the game really, mm. and that was it. Um, Mellish tended to, to slot in there quite a lot on the left uh, throughout the game. Um, I'd imagine if Conor Brown plays in that game when we play in um, against Barrett at the weekend, he might cause a few more problems for Clough if he tries to do that. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, yeah, that was an interesting one. I mean, I've avoided it for as long as I possibly can. I mean, Alessandra and Abrahams just doesn't doesn't work. Just as mm-hmm. Alessandra and Clough didn't work, it just it's not even the problems with similarities there. It's just Alessandra for the last couple of years has been a great player for us. He really has, and we're, and we're big fans of his on this podcast. We've said it before plenty of times. Mm-hmm. We think in previous seasons when he's played well, we've played well. He's he's really made the click the team click. Now, he's, what, 33 now? Yeah, I know it's not the oldest mm. age in the world. You know, players play for a lot longer now, but I wouldn't say he's starting to show his age, but you're not seeing quite as much from him now. Yeah. And I, I find when he gets the ball now and the way we're playing, because there's not much movement around him, he's holding on to the ball for far too long. He's mm. not releasing it anywhere near as quick, or not just thinking, I'm just going to get a shot off here. He but isn't doing that enough. For me as well, I mean, so if you think back to... Uh... Derek Asamoah's goal mm-hmm. at Anfield. And you had sort of Harry surging through from yeah. midfield. And Asamoah's trying to run him behind. And that freed up space for Harry to do that. Mm-hmm. Alessandro will not make that kind of run. Alessandro always sort of goes short for the ball, which isn't a terrible thing. You know, yeah. like, that's sort of what he's about. But Clough could be our sort of Harry carrying the ball into the final third this season. And if the players aren't making the right kind of movement... For him to do that, people are just going to close Clough down, and we're not going to see the best out of him either. So, yeah, I'd li- I'd like to see us have s- someone to sort of run him behind and cause teams problems. Because yeah. if you have got someone like Clough in the team, you don't really need your striker dropping deep so much. No, you don't. And yeah, he's technically a very good footballer, Alessandro, and we all know that. And like, he uses the ball well. But like I said, the, the big problem just comes down to the fact that he just holds on to it for too long now. That's the mm. problem. Abrahams. The impression he gives is one of a, a player that doesn't care. I'm not saying that's the, the case. Mm. Let me say this now. He, he may well care. He may well have his own sort of style. He's a little bit more languid, maybe. He's a little bit more, you know, he's not all action. But when you're in a relegation fight, what it, that counts as much is what you actually do with the ball and whether you score goals and things like that. The way you appear, because fans will turn on you quickly. They want to see people who actually look like they're working the backside off and they're chasing things down. There was two or three times where he might not have had much chance of getting to the ball, but you're up against non-league opposition here. You you think to yourself, force them into an error, Mm. put pressure on them, and he wouldn't, and he didn't chase balls. And there was a couple of times Mm. there was area balls as well where they didn't go that far of his head and he just sort of stood and watched it. And I'm, mm. and you could see why fans were getting so annoyed. It was infuriating yeah. at times. And he got ironic cheers when he got subbed. And I, I felt maybe a little bit harsh, but he's, he's even testing my patience now to the point where... You mentioned you mentioned there about what Millen said his post-match comments. He, he launched a bit of a defence of Abrahamson 
Alessandro, I think particularly Abraham as well, saying he was, you know, you mentioned the fact everything. Everyone watched the game, basically Carlson and said, you know, look how well Young and Fishman they when they came on. They caused all kinds of problems. They looked lively, and he said, oh well, that's down to you know the, the work Alessandro and uh, Abraham did yeah. to tie the fence. I'm not, I don't 100 percent buy that. I'm afraid I, no, I just exactly. don't because. Maybe Alessandro's slight, but Abraham's did not really put that much pressure on the defenders. There was a few, few times when he really should have been doing a lot more, and it's, it's yeah. Um, no, I, I, I don't. I'm not not having that one. I'm afraid. Um, yeah, I mean, like I, I've defended Abraham's quite a bit when we signed him. I thought he was a good signing. He's looked good against us a few times, um, but. I mean, for me, I mean, games when he's come on off the bench as well. Every single time that I've seen Young come on off the bench, he's looked really up for it, and he's yeah. he's sort of been basically saying to the manager, "You need to start me. I really want to start games." Yeah. And whenever I've seen Abrams come off, come off the bench, it it doesn't have that sort of work rate and desire like to to prove a point. Basically, it just you know, and you know, surely Young has earned his start ahead of him. Surely. Yeah, it's getting to the point now. You, you'd think surely he has. And my my worry is you've got a game this weekend with a big crowd. Whether Abraham's can get himself up for all perform enough in that game, and then if he doesn't, you're gonna have quite a, a boisterous crowd on his back, and that could mm. finish him here as a player. Mm. It really could. Well, that's that, that's the thing. I mean, you know, there's a few players that I have in this bracket, but. They're in kind of the last chance saloon as football league players. Like if yeah. we go down, their careers are going down with us. Like you know, and, and they'll struggle to get a another football oh, league I mean, club. I mean, yeah, look at Abraham's his last three clubs: Newport, Leighton Orient, and us. Mm. You're, not get, you're not getting another EFL club if you go down no. the league playing for us and exactly. scoring a goal. You're just not. That, mm. that's, that's the the harsh reality of it. Uh, well, let's talk about the two lads who came on: uh, Fishburne and Young. Um, I tell you what, Mike, it's so lively the pair of them. I mean, what, mm. eight, 19 and 17, the ages? Mm. I'm not sure if, if Young's 19 yet or not, but I'll tell you what, they were up for it. And yeah. I mean, Fishburne, in the space of 60 seconds, I think he won three aerial challenges and basically roughed up a couple of defenders yeah. a couple of times. And you thought, how is someone like Abraham, who's, what, 23, 24 now, not, not looking at that and thinking, exactly. maybe I need to do a bit of that as well. Mm. I mean, l- l- lack of... Lack of football and ability at this level, you can sometimes excuse, but yeah. lack of effort, I don't think there's ever an excuse for. I think Abraham's has got three bookings for us this season. All three of them have been for dissent. Yeah. I just, it's pointless. If you're going to mm. get booked, get it for putting your foot in and actually, you know, mm. going for some tackles and things like that, but there you go. Mm. But yeah, the, the, the pair of them did well. I mean, one thing that stands out for me with Fishburn is he didn't actually have any real goal-scoring chances, unfortunately. If you watch, actually, I'll talk about the goals in a second, actually, he probably... With Clough's goal, it was actually going to him the ball before it deflected. I th- it. I thought that yeah, because some people have said that it was a shot by Clough, but I thought it was like a sort of ball sort of curling across the six yard box a little bit. Yeah, I and think I it think... looked like it might have gone wide potentially. So I think well, say gone wide, Fishburne would have scored basically. Yeah, yeah. It, but but um, but no, there's a few times he won aerial balls, and you know what? His first touch is not perfect. It doesn't like stick to him like. You know, it's not like an Alessandro where the ball comes into him and it mm. really sticks to him when he comes to his feet. It does go away from him a bit, but he's so on his on his toes. He's so alert. He gets to the second the, the, the loose ball. Yeah. Even if it does get a little bit away, not massively away. From, I mean, I'm not talking about you know John Mellish hasn't got the greatest touch mm. in the world. The ball gets away from him quite a bit. But in comparison, Fishburne gets away from him. But 
he gets that second ball because he's so live and he's so he, he's got the desire and he wants it. And that's but another someti- thing you don't sometimes see him. that that can be an absolute weapon because you know yeah. your first touch is a little bit loose and a defender will think, oh, I can win this. And then if they don't you're get away. to that ball, then you're away. Yeah, yeah. Or you can set yourself off actually if you have a decent shot or something like that. Yeah. And that's the thing I don't see with Abrams. I don't see him doing that when it, when he has a poor touch. He's sort of like, oh, he's just like, oh, he's just oh, I have a little stretch to get to this. There's no like, mm. shit. I need to get that ball now. Mm. You didn't see that, but yeah, Fishburne didn't look out, did not look out of place at all. I mean, yeah, he was against Horsham. I know we've got to repeat that, but it shows that he clearly was excelling at the level he was at with Lancaster. And like you say, young, young looked lively, and he, and, he, and you know what, he's only a little lad. And I, I'll say it again, comparison wise, he reminds me a lot of Joe Garner in the way he yeah. plays. He's physical, and he's not afraid to to get involved with with, mm. with big defenders. I can um, see that. Yeah. His goal, uh, arms crossing into the box, not probably not the greatest cross in the world to be honest when you look back at it, but. Mm. Defender, I mean, it was a bit of a tiring sort of stretch from the defender to get to it, wasn't it, really? And mm. young, smart, he gets in, gets his touch off and then just hammers it into the bottom corner. Good finish, really. And that, that's exactly what we didn't see from Abrahams or mm. Alessandro. I mean, prior to that, the only chance I can think of, I mean, you've got Mellish's powerful shot, which the keeper saved well. We had a header off the line, I think that might have been from Abrahams. I'm not 100%. Maybe Mellish, I can't remember. Um... And then you've got the Abraham sort of volley, and I look back at that one, I think, put your laces through it. He sort of just scoops it towards goal. There's no, like, mm. I mean, maybe you'll say he's trying to place it, but just hit it, because if it hits mm. someone, it could fly into the back of the net. Exactly. You're never going to score that with when you when you, that's the kind of effort you're doing, but there you go. So, yeah, Young gets his goal, and then I'll see later on, brilliant bit of play from Young to, to chase the ball and win it, well, stop it from going out of play for a goal kick in the corner flag. Get it back to Clough, and like I said, he takes his touch and... Like you said, I, I think the ball probably would have ended up with Fishburne for a mm. tap-in. But as it is, it, it comes off the defender and it goes in the back of the net. 2-0, yep. job done. Into the next round, uh, can't complain too much. We've obviously already mentioned there um, a bit of credit to Mel- Millen for the fact that he's recognised pretty quickly that we can't play long ball football and he's trying to get us to yeah. play a certain style. And like we said, he probably you, you might, we might not see the proper benefits of that until maybe mid-December possibly, mm. when they've had a good three or four weeks. It's almost... In a weird way, you can almost wish we'd kind of get knocked out of the FA Cup because that gives him two weeks solid to work on it, wouldn't it? But, mm. but yeah, you and you know, it's not going to work every game. There'll be games where we have to go more direct, but if we go direct with them balls and behind that you sort of mentioned about, yeah. you know, you, you, you can create things yeah. from that. If you're doing that, you, you need to have Young and Fishburne on the pitch because they're the only ones who are going to chase those balls. Yeah. Alessandro's not going to chase them and Abraham's is not going to chase them, so there you go. Um before we move on to the uh, match preview section, um, I've got to give a big shout out to the Lardy Army. Once you had uh, John from the Lardy Army on last week to, to discuss all things Horsham, and full credit to them, the 280 odd of them made a, an absolute racket the whole game, singing songs. They were dressed in all kinds of weird suits. Were, I saw Jesus in the away end as well. He was there. <laughs> um, they had their block of lard in the uh, the rugby club beforehand, and they were singing their songs about uh, no surrender to the low fat spread and stuff like that. Um, yeah, they they also sang some songs to uh, songs by Gary Glitter, which I would, if I was going to advise them anything, I'd drop those ones. Probably not the best <laughs> ones to choose, but there you go. But no, full credit, man. I'm, I'm glad they enjoyed their day out, and I think they mo- most of them accepted they didn't really have much of a chance of winning the game. But you know, I think they've, they've picked up a second club. Hopefully, a few of them. So maybe get seen down some of the games down the London branch area. Maybe. Yeah. You never know. Come, good supporters at Crawley away next season if we're still in the league. <laughs> no. Uh, got it. Probably not. Probably see them at someone like, I don't know, Boreham Wood or something like that. Yeah, probably. But there you go. Um, I think that's it, Mike. Owen says, yeah. 
just talking about the the, the cup draw itself. Um, Shrewsbury, not ideal, I suppose, playing a team from the division above, but one that's not doing that well this season. So maybe you never know. Yeah, you know, if if we sort of have turned a corner a little bit, you know, uh, it could well be. Uh, you know, we. I mean, w- cup games are just a different kettle of fish, aren't they? And yeah, protect. You know, I'm I'm not going to completely write us off. Put it that way. No, definitely not. Right, we'll take a short break now and then we'll be back to uh, discuss the big game against Barrett this weekend. So we'll be back in just a minute. The buzz is back. We're all excited. I'll prove there's only one United. The world is watching this football team. Because I don't say what I don't mean. There you go. That's the little bit, something a little bit different for the break this time. We, we we play that occasionally on the show, don't we? But I thought I'd do is the is that the is that the guy time. that blocked me on Twitter? Uh, yeah, it is. It's the guy <laughs> that me on Twitter, yes. Um, okay, so uh, we're on to the uh, preview section of the show now, and uh, as usual, uh, this season the second half of the show has been sponsored by the Cali United Sports Club London Branch. London Branch is open to all Cali United fans. They've got members from Cornwall to Dundee and Houston to Singapore, and of course every part of London in the southeast and also up in Cumbria as well. Uh, they regularly meet up on away trips as well as arranging many social events and sports games and also do quite a bit of fundraising for the club. They'll be providing us with information for the away games as part of the preview section this season too. You can find out more about the London Branch at their website, carlalondonbranch.org. So there you go. That's the uh, the little bit of sponsors bit out of the way. Thanks once again to them. Um, first up, we've got the uh, catching up with the opposition section. And this week we spoke to Chris Altry, who is the uh, Barrow Supporters Liaison Officer. And he's also the host of their official podcast. Um, ahead of this weekend's Big Gosh Brunton Park uh we talk, covered a number of topics, actually, uh, from how much things have changed since we uh, last played them last season. Uh, Barrow's solid start of the season and their recent dip in form. Uh, how Mark Cooper has got on the Blue Balls boss and also the many millions of ex-Blues players that are actually in the Barrow squad. So uh, here's the chat I had with Chris earlier this week. Chris, thanks for giving up your time to speak to us about all things Barrow today. Um, let's get straight into it. Um <laughs> We know that you guys don't really see United as your big rival. You, you, you look across Morecambe Bay and you look at Morecambe, obviously the big clashes you had, particularly back in your non-league days. And it's vice versa for us. We look down the M6 at Preston, albeit I think Preston very much looked down on us these days, sadly. Uh, but there does seem to be quite a bit of excitement about what is the first competitive game between the two sides with fans in attendance in 57 years. Yeah, I think um, for a lot of the younger support who weren't around in the 60s and you know who haven't seen a game of this caliber in a long time you know they see themselves as cumbrian so the idea of a cumbrian derby mm. is a big thing especially as a lot of you've got crossover between rugby league and football so it's obviously very competitive between barrow rugby league sides and the, the the coastal teams up the coast so i think it's grown more the younger spot obviously those of in our older spot will remember when we played carlisle but we were a lancashire club then yeah so yeah i think it's just um it's just it's one of them that's just growing you know like you say you being with preston it just like if we were to play each other more regularly over the coming years, then it'll just get become bigger and a bigger, bigger thing. I mean, yeah, you'd think so, wouldn't you? Yeah. It's like we've got a bit of a thing with like Wrexham, filed when they came up. You know, it just it, these things develop as you know fans when they play them so close together. I mean, we've not played Markham now in a league game for. <laughs> it, I mean, it must be getting nearly twenty years. So you know, so that one starts to fade. You know, as the newer, younger support don't remember playing them. 
Yeah, I mean, for, for, I mean, Morecambe for us actually became, a, I wouldn't say a big derby game, but it was a game they won't look forward to, mainly because it was easy to get to. And, I mean, arguably easier to get to than Barrow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Because of the way it. the roads are, so. Yeah, well, that, yes. everyone says, oh, yeah, taking 1,700 up to Carlisle, that's no big deal, you know, supporters elsewhere in the league. But we say, no, it's like, take six miles up some of the worst roads going. The train's yeah. nearly three hours up the coast, or you can change at Lancaster. So it's it's not actually that close. When people think of Cumbria, they think of it as a small county, don't they? Yeah. But it's, I mean, anyone who's been up the A595 road will know it. it's not an easy drive up from Barrow to, to Carlisle if you go that way rather than the M6. No. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, last season, you guys tried out uh, in your first season back in the EFL, two relatively young and inexperienced bosses, and it didn't quite work out. Now, this time around, you've gone for a bit more experience in Mark Cooper. How is he getting on in the hot seat? He seems to be doing an okay job so far, although things seem to have dropped off a little bit in the last month or so. Yeah, I think the injuries have affected him, and we're, we're, we're crying out for a decent goal scorer. Um, we're, there's a lot of games where we're, we're controlling the game, but mm. it's sloppy goals giving away, you know, causing them, causing our own problems. Um, and like I say, we're really missing that like 20, 25 goal a season goal score. I mean, we did think that was going to be Zanzala, but jury's, <laughs> jury's still out on him at the yeah. moment. We'll, we'll discuss him in just a minute, but yeah, <laughs> but he, he seems to be doing a, a fairly decent job, Coop. I mean, it. It's tough, isn't it, when you come back into the league, especially in the circumstances you guys did. And last season was was clearly all about staying in the league, wasn't it, really? Especially after the, the tough start you had and eventually yeah. you managed it. So now this year, I suppose, ambitions have been raised a little bit at least? Well, I think if you're Tassimus Barrow fans, it's about staying in the league. Mm. And, and the board, it's about stabilising. So we want to obviously stabilise at this level, then looking to push on. But if you do a bit better, I mean, obviously Cooper is an ambitious manager. He expects us to be pushing further up the table than just surviving. So uh, for me, I just want to stay in the football league as long as possible. You know, it's, <laughs> it's as someone who spent their whole time following Barrow as a non-league club, hearing the stories mm-hmm. of us being a football league team. It's uh, it's it's making a welcome change. Yeah, once once you get there, you don't want to lose it, do you? That's the thing. No, you, you see other teams got me. You see different sort of location circumstances. You see Barnet. I mean, what they've been promoted four times to the football league now, and yeah, that they, they struggle to stay in there. And it, it it isn't it isn't easy, especially if you haven't got you know bucket loads of cash like a, a Salford have, for instance. I suppose being able to stay in the league for for long periods. Um, I suppose one of the one of the things that I mentioned is that it, it, it is a bit of a difference between League Two and National League, isn't it? I know a lot of people say on the pitch it's not there's not as big a disparity as there used to be in years gone by. But did you guys sort of notice the big disparity in terms of things on and off the field in terms of League Two and National League? So I'll answer that in two parts. On the pitch, I would say the top five to eight teams in the National mm. League uh, would be more than competitive in League 2 in the mm. bottom half. I don't see there's much difference. But then the bottom half of the National League are completely different to yeah. the bottom half of League 2. So, the, so the, you know, the, in League 2, I, I know people say there's an easy game. I don't think there is an easy game. Mistakes mm. get punished a lot quicker in League 2 than they do yeah. in the National League. And obviously the standard officiating is different. Um off the pitch, it's substantially different in how you even approach things mm. like swapping ends. <laughs> you know, ev- you have segregation and every game has to be segregated. That's not the case in non-league. 
You have the fact that fans can migrate behind goals in non-league, mm-hmm. even in the National League. Then you look at the finances. You get £80,000 to be in a National League club. If After, you, you know, say, if you went down, you, you get your two years parachute. But after that, it's 80000 where you're in the Football League. What's it, nearly a million pounds you start yeah. off with every season? So that in itself is a difference. Um, the EFL have all these different guidelines and rules, completely different. I mean, things like support liaison officers isn't a thing in non-league. Um, there's loads, there's absolutely loads. There's, it's like night and day, the, the comparison, really. like There's a lot of barracks. As a spending 50 years nearly as a non-league club, there's not been that investment in the ground and stuff since it was a football yeah. league club. So there's a lot to get up to speed and Carlisle fans will be most disappointed when it comes to the return game about how many <laughs> tickets they're going to get. Yeah. I'm sure there'll be a, a bit of a scramble, I think it's fair to say, to get tickets for that match. Uh, yeah, I mean, you mentioned the right things off the field. I mean, one example is the fact that, obviously, you guys uh, don't don't benefit from the, the additional sub, did you, for a lot, long period of last season, I remember, because, obviously, one of those players has, had to be homegrown, didn't they? So yeah, that, that's I mean, it. Yeah. You had six subs in games, and you guys are, are just setting up your own academy now, aren't you? It's, it, and that's a, that's a big process in itself. Yeah, well, this is it. So we'll we'll again. We'll only have six subs for I don't know how long till we have our first homegrown player. I mean, we we've had like a sort of academy, but it isn't. It was like a performance centre, and um, yourselves used to nick players from this part of the county <laughs> for your academy. So there might be a bit of competition there for the younger younger players in the county yeah. now. Uh, yeah, so it's just getting started this season. Obviously, that's it's going to take a long time till you see the real benefits of that. And hopefully we can grow our own players like Carlisle have done successfully and that will help self-fund the club. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about some of the ex-Blues in your squad now then. There's a fair <laughs> few things. Five, eight in total, I think I've counted. If you, if you include Tom White, obviously Tom White was only a YTS with us. Yeah. Um, let's probably talk more about the ones who, who feature a bit more often for you, I think it's fair to say. So starting off, Paul Farm and... Um, I think of the the one the two that left in the summer from us. He's probably the one that the fans were the most disappointed about, partly because the issue seemed to be that you guys offered him a two year deal. We only offered him a one year deal, and he's one we probably could have kept if we tried a little bit harder. How's he doing so far? He seems to have established himself a first choice keeper. Yeah, he's the first choice t- keeper. Um, his kicking is tremendous. It's, it's incredible, isn't it? It's absolutely yeah. incredible. He's done okay, to be honest. Mm. I mean, he's one or two mistakes, but it's a goalkeeper of a mistake. Everyone remembers a goalkeeper. Yeah. He's, a, he's a solid League Two keeper, and, mm. it, and and since losing Joel Dixon to Bolton, he's, it's been a welcome addition. He does actually mention, because I interviewed him for the podcast we do down mm. at Barrow, um, that he enjoyed his time at Carlisle, yeah. and it was purely because of, as you mentioned, the arrangements, they didn't meet his demands that yeah. he left. Yeah, to be honest, Martin, you're right about his kick. I mean, the, the big thing for me of it is not so much the distance, it's the fact that you can play the ball back to him under pressure on either foot and he yeah. launches it to the opposition half every time. Yeah. And this season, our, our keepers who've played so far, there's been a few times the ball they've played back and they've scuffed it and you just think, oh, God, what would we do for Paul Farmer kicking that instead? But there you go. Um, the other player who joined you this summer directly from us, uh, you've mentioned him already, uh, Ozzy Zanzala. Uh he seems to be blowing a bit hot and cold like he did for us. He had the purple patch for us where he did well at the start. He was he struggled, actually, with us, to be fair. He seems to be a little bit in and out of the team. I know he's had a couple of knocks, but not quite convinced yet. No, I'd say there's, there's definitely... You feel like he's like 
I don't know, like this, if a switch can be flicked, he could be a footballer that you know goes higher up the level. Yeah. But if that switch isn't found, then he's very much going to be a League Two National League striker, you know, yeah. dipping in and out till he gets this purple patch. I mean, he's he's strong. We use have seen him. He's strong. He's explosive. Mm. He's got a good finish. Um, yeah, he's he's been. He's only just came back for the game in the FA Cup because prior to that he'd not been well for a few games. So fingers crossed. I mean, he scored fortuitously. We'll say on Saturday <laughs> that might just be a case that he starts um, rediscovering that touch that we hope he's got for us anyway. I mean, you say fortuitous. I think it's good pressure actually. To be fair, I was watching it on the train back down after our game against Horsham, and I was quite impressed. I think most Carlisle fans expected him to score at the weekend. It's just an inevitability of life that he will score. Um, a lad who came up for our youth system, Pat Bruff. Um, yes, he, he did okay at the start for us, but he, Keith Curl was never a big fan of, of young players or bringing through youth oh, products. No. To be honest, so no shock that he let him go really. Um, but he's really rebuilt his career since leaving us and. He seems to be a really big player for you now, like a really important like mainstay in the squad. Yeah, I mean, I'm obviously I'm not well versed in League Two football, having not been here for years. So to know what a good left back is, in you know, a left wing back. But he is the, the Mark Cooper raves about him. Thinks he can play a lot higher than League Two. Um, mm. He's definitely one of our most consistent players. He's a really good footballer, and I am amazed at Carlisle. With him living in Sillif, they let him go. <laughs> well, the problem is we had Danny Granger at the time, and Danny Granger yeah. you know, was yeah. club captain, going to play any week he was fit, and obviously with his goals as well. He, I think he was a little bit unlucky by the circumstances, Pat, I think yeah. it's fair to say. He was actually a winger in the youth setup. He wasn't actually a, a full-back until he started playing a little bit of first-team football, so that does tell you a bit. Uh a player who's uh, certainly been at a fair few clubs at this level, and he's now your club captain and son, Mark Ellis. He was with us for a while. Um, how's he getting? It seems to be that sort of big experience head at the back that you've really been sort of crying out for. And ha- Have you seen his long throw yet? Because he took a few of those for us, actually. Uh, Ellis isn't our long throw taker. It's a lad oh. called Romeo Hutton that we got yeah. in the summer from Stevenage. Um, so you'll see that on... Uh, Saturday when he plays, but uh, no, he's, he's he's the captain centre back. He's um, he was actually subbed off in our last league game because uh, Cooper thought he was struggling, so um, he didn't play in the FA Cup game either against Banbury. Mm. So I'm not too convinced actually that he might start mm. on Saturday. So it might be um, a lad we signed from Blackburn, but we had him in our non-league days. Is Matty Platt? He's yes. he's like this. Um, He's, he's been out with injury, but he was one of our most promising players. I mean, fantastic centre-back on his day. So, potentially, I think um, he might start ahead of Ellis. OK. Um, the remaining four, I mean, Connor Brown only had a short loan spell, so we didn't really see see a huge amount of him at Cal United, but he seems to have got himself back in favour of you. Tom White, he's, obviously. Go on, go on, go on, go on Tom, Con- yeah, Connor Brown. Then. Connor Brown's like a Mr Versatile. He'll mm. play anywhere, run through walls for you. A really nice lad. Um, I don't know if he'll be the first to me. Not the most gifted of footballers, but if you want, if you want someone you can throw on, you know, and know they'll do uh, a six out of ten job every yeah. time, then Connor Brown's that player. If that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Tom White. I mean, he was in our academy, and he, he was probably a little bit unlucky to get let go at the age of eighteen. Went to Gated, and we were actually very close to re-signing him. Before he went to Blackburn the other summer, there was a bit of a mess up apparently in terms of getting him signed. So he's gone there, and obviously he's had his loan spells for years, and he 
mm-hmm. signed permanently now seems to be doing okay. Yeah, yeah. So we we had him when Everett brought him to the club, and um, he was part of that midfield that was uh, with John Rooney and that doing amazing stuff in the National League. Um, then he went to Bolton with Everett. <laughs> it didn't quite work out there, and we got him back in the summer. Uh, just a really good young footballer. I, again, I don't think he'll start because I don't know if Cooper rates him highly yeah. as he does his other midfielders he's got in the team. So he's likely to be on the bench, is Tom White. Yeah, and the final two, I feel really sorry for talking about these two because they've, they've basically just been blighted by injury since he joined you, really. Mike Jones and... Jamie Devitt, two very popular figures when they're at Car United, especially Devitt, and you know our fans have been crying out to re-sign him for long periods. I don't think so much now because of his injury issues, but you've not really been able to see the best of those two, have you? No, well, Mike Jones started the season last season well until he got his injury. Mm. He had he was already top of League Two's most tackles or something before he got injured because mm. he was he was the same with used the season before. I think he was one of them. Yeah highest tackling midfielders yeah so he, we've not seen much of him he's just played in the EFL trophy game that was his first game oh, back. Okay. got 80 minutes so fingers crossed he's gonna somehow play football again uh Jamie Dever I don't know to be honest he just doesn't seem to be able to get himself fit so I don't know if we I, I suspect he might not be with us after this season and we might never have got to see the best of him like you did it's a real shame with Jamie because he, he genuinely is a player of ability and a player who could play at a higher level. And I think he was just unlucky in that he signed for Blackpool after he left us. And the manager yeah. who signed him was sacked, like literally, or left literally oh, two, no. three weeks later. And and Simon, I think it was Simon Grayson that took over there or someone like that and basically just didn't rate him and said, no, you can go. So, yeah, that just, you know, sums up uh, Jamie Devitt's look. Um, Chris, you've been brilliant giving us up your time. So let's quickly do a little prediction for this weekend. Uh, how do you think the game's going to go? Oh well, everyone's the Barra fans are very confident because of where how your season's yeah, going it should be <laughs> the way we're playing. I, I manage a lot of Carlisle fans, so for my sanity, I need us not to lose on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's actually going to be a draw. I don't know; these games always I feel like they're they're very close. Last season was incredibly tight game, which is one one nil. I think we're a slightly better team this year, mm-hmm. and you might not be as good. And I don't know if that's just because of the management style, but um, I, yeah, I'm going for a one one draw. <laughs> Right, I, I, to be honest, I'll take that now. I'd bite your hand <laughs> off for that one. Cheers, Chris, and thanks for your no time. Worries. Yeah, thank you. Okay, thanks once again to Chris for giving up his time to speak to us ahead uh, of this weekend's game. I hope he doesn't enjoy the game too much, though, this weekend, and hope that all those uh, guys he works with in Carlisle are giving him a bit of stick on Monday morning. Um, interesting, though, isn't it, uh, Mike, how the, the ex-Blues are getting on at Barrow right now, isn't it? Yeah, uh, obviously there's uh, quite a few of them, and they're in there. You know, a lot of them are now sort of solid football league players, and when they left mm. us, you know, players like Bruff, uh, you know, they couldn't really get a look in. So yeah, yeah. it's good that they managed to sort of make careers for themselves. Uh, I was a bit shocked that Zanzala isn't really doing it. I think, you know, maybe if it stayed here, he took a he, while to settle, didn't he, with us? And he did. Uh, yeah, he's one of those. And ones, I, I, I feel he's one of them that sort of you have to play to his strengths. Uh, yeah. And he's one of them, you know. I mean, you, you said yourself that he's he's going to score against us because that's the way the oh, world. But yeah. he's that's an absolute building. nuisance for centre backs, and yeah. I feel like I could be a nuisance for our centre backs this season. So yeah, that, that's someone, someing, someone like him is uh, 
going to probably cause him a lot of problems if, yeah. if fit. Indeed, indeed. Uh, okay, so just a quick reminder for everyone that this weekend's game is a one o'clock kickoff. It's not a three o'clock kickoff. One p.m. Thanks to our friends at Cumbria Constabulary for that one. Um, yeah, so get yourself down early to Brunton Park. Uh, I think all the the usual stalls and stuff are going to be open nice and early as well. So fancy some scran and a, a drink and things like that you can get yourselves down um this weekend referee is martin coy from durham um uh, a friend or uh, well, an ex-uni um what's the phrase you say not classmate i don't know but anyway basically uh john mcgee who i mentioned a few times in the pod uh, he's an alumni of durham uni and i think he went to durham uni at the same time as martin coy oh. uh not a big fan of his, let's just say that. <laughs> um, so uh, this is Coy's fifth season as an EFL referee. He's taken charge of 11 games this season so far. He's handed out 28 bookings and one red card. Uh, being Durham-based, he, he generally covers about two or three game, United games a season, usually, since he stepped up to be an EFL-level ref. Uh, he's already taken charge of one United game this season. Uh, our last win in the league, actually, for enough, with 2-1 win over Salford way back in August. God... Then he realised it was that long since we actually won a league game. Yeah, it's literally coming up to three months, and that's astonishing. Because I was thinking, like, I haven't seen us win a game this season. Because obviously, I'm only off one Saturday out of four. But yeah. not a lot of fans have seen us win this season. You know, no, it's, it's incredible. I was at the Salford game, but obviously, I wasn't at Swindon. So, mm. if you're lucky enough to have been to both of those games, well, what a lucky person you are! But there you go. <laughs> okay, uh, classic clash, Mike. Uh, obviously, we haven't, uh, you know, we haven't played the Bluebirds too much in the last fifty years or so. Uh, so we've had to go back into the archives this one, but I've gone right back into the archives. 91 years back into the archives, to be precise, for one of our biggest ever EFL victories. Uh, were you at this game? Uh, so, no, no I, think, <laughs> I can I can say a few of our ones probably were, knowing some of them, but there you go. Um, so yeah, uh, back to 8th of February 1930 for Carl United 7, that's brackets S-E-V-E-N, brackets, uh, Barrow 1. Yes, so uh, this was only United's second season in the Football League, while Barrow were in their eighth campaign, having been elected to 3rd Division North in 1922. Uh, It wasn't a great season for the then Lancashire club. Uh, It would end up finishing bottom and need re-election alongside Halifax uh, to retain their league status the following season. It was actually uh, one team did actually go out of the league that season. It was the 3rd Division South side, uh, the Welsh side, Murphy Tidville. Uh, they uh, left the league that season, so there you go. Um, the match report from the Athletic News newspaper um, that day makes it pretty clear that United's success on the pitch that day was very much down to Barry Short's comings, probably more than United's quality. <laughs> so uh, it's told you Barry really were struggling that season. Um, uh, it was you know a high-scoring game. The 1930s for United always suggests that one thing. It happened, and no surprise to find out that Jimmy McConnell bagged himself uh, a haul four goals in this fixture. Uh, was... I, was, I was reading up on McConnell recently. Yeah. I think he got like 126 goals for us in like yeah. four seasons. Yeah, four and a bit. That's like incredible. Yeah, didn't you know, even and like play that much game because I was reading something the other week. I think it was someone for like Villarreal became the club's all-time top goal scorer with like 80 goals or something. Yes, surprise that some some clubs have got really low low scoring records. It's, it's yeah, really well, I mean, obviously cl- clubs lower down. You know, if a player starts scoring goals, he's off, isn't he? But you know, McConnell for us, fair play, like 120. Yeah, very impressive indeed. Um, so yeah, uh, it was an early goal from McConnell, a one from Billy Watson that gave United a lead before. Parker scored for the visitors, thanks apparently to a lapse in the United defence. 
nothing changes there, does it? Um, that was it for the visitors, though, as McConnell and Watson scored again before half-time, and McConnell added two more in the second half before Jimmy Thompson, who had apparently terrorised the Barrow right-back all game, grabbed a long-range streamer. Uh, while the season didn't end well for Barrow, it didn't actually get much better for the Blues either, actually. Uh, after this game, they drew 3-3 with Wrexham in the next fixture, and that left United in sixth place. But that was as good as it got, as they collapsed in the final 14 games and dropped down to 14th place in the league. Really not a great finish to the season, that one. Um, the result remains one of United's uh, biggest ever Football League victories, but the Bluebirds got their revenge the following season as they dished out a 7 Two victory of their own at Holker Street in January 1931. So there you go. That is our classic match. Don't have any YouTube highlights of it, sadly. But there you go. <laughs> uh, what we'll do is actually, I've, I've got the uh, clipping from the British newspaper archive of the, the match report from the Athletics News. So I'll stick that up on the Twitter feed as well so everyone can have a look at that. Um, play for both. So as usual, we've got a list of all the players who play for both clubs. Uh, and Dan, obviously he's not on the pod today he's uh, working he sent me this in advance so this is the player you picked i don't know who it is i haven't listened to it i thought i surprised myself so <sighs> looking at the list there's one player i think it might be i reckon he'd be tempted to pick knowing him but let's see whether he picked or not so here's dan's play for both this week's uh, played for both is uh is a lad who still lives in the area uh he'll be known to many of our listeners uh works at the post office these days uh, was born in South Shields and was integral to one of the most famous episodes in the club. It is, of course, Graham Anthony. Uh, started his career at Sheffield United. Uh, only had two or three appearances there, a little loan at Scarborough. He had short spells at Swindon and Plymouth before uh, he actually ended up at, I think it was Heaven Ray Roll, a uh, non-league team in the northeast. But he uh, landed at Carlisle in 97 and he lasted a good three or so seasons. Uh, made about 75 appearances and, of course, uh, took the corner that led to uh, Jimmy Glass's goal. Uh, when he left Carlisle, he went to Barrow for several years. I think he had about 250 to 300 appearances, including Cups. And then he had a couple of seasons at Workington before retiring. And uh, his Wikipedia says that he retired to run a guest house, which uh, which is true. But uh, as everyone knows, he's also on the post. But uh, that's this week's uh, player for both, Graham Anthony. You know what? I, I, I didn't fit. That was one of the ones I thought he might pick, but it wasn't the one I, I was sure he would pick. And when I read the list out, you'll know exactly which one I'm talking about here. It's, mm. Ian, it's Ian Stevens. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's a um, good, good choice there from Dan. Uh, yeah, the guest house he run, I seem to remember. I don't know if it's still the case. Um, some of the YTS players used to stay there, I think. I think the club yeah, used to put I them did. in there. And I think the, the idea was, as an ex-professional, he'd be a good person for them to stay with because he could, you know, Toss them about the game when they needed to and things mm. like that. So, uh, so there you go, Graham Anthony. Good, good choice there, Dan. Okay, let's go through the full list then, Mike. It's, a, it's another long one as you'd expect. Mm. It's quite. I don't think this is a, a, a full list though, because I think there'll probably be a few missing from players who maybe played for Barrow in the non-league days and didn't actually get picked up by the list. But there you go. But there's um, no Jensen, Mario Williams in this one. No, or, uh, no. Or the other one. We can't, can't invoke the Jensen, Mario Williams rule on this one. I'm afraid. Um, Alf Agar is the first one. I think he's one from the very early days of United. Uh, Tom Aldred, he had a loan spell when he, I think when he was at Colchester, actually, possibly. I think it was after he left uh, United, or possibly when he was at Bar- uh, um, Watford. I'm not 100% on that one, but yeah. Um, so yeah, Tom Aldred he had a loan spell there. Obviously, left United a bit too soon, but I'm, I'm sure he's not regretting that while he's uh, sunning himself on the beach in, yeah. in Australia these days, I'd imagine. 
Um, Tom Anderson, he, he had a loan spell there. As he did from uh, United from Burnley, doing quite well in the uh, um, League One these days, isn't it? With um, yeah. with Doncaster, Doncaster Rovers. Yeah. Yep, he occasionally pops up in the uh, exile section. Uh, Nick Anderton, he had a very good spell at uh, Barrow, I seem to remember, when it back in the National League days. Um, obviously, Graham Anthony's already been mentioned. Ian Arnold, he, he he spent some time with Barrow after his time with United. Uh, Richie Bennett, of course, United signed from Barrow. Yeah, the people's elbow himself didn't go very well in the end, though, did it? Uh, bless him. Um, Paul Black, I think we mentioned him a couple of times recently, haven't we? Yeah. I still never get The less said, the better. We, we loaded a defender from League Two. When we were in League yeah. One, it's ridiculous, but there you go. Uh, Mark Boyd, um, probably better known for his Barrow days than he is for Cal United. He only probably, I think, he only played about 10 or 12 games for United, I think, towards the end of that mm. season. We got relegated to the uh, conference. He's got a brilliant goal at, um, at Scunthorpe, I seem to remember. Uh, quite a long range effort. The same night that Chris Billy scored a long range effort as well when we won 3 2 there. Um, but yeah, I think, like Anthony, I think he, he played about a good two or 300 games for Barrow in the end, actually. And. Mm. Um, Really popular figure there, and he's uh, does the co-commentary with Adam Johnson actually, doesn't he? I imagine he'll be at Brunton mm. Park this weekend doing that. Um, Pat Bruff, we'll, we'll touch on him in a minute actually, and Connor Brown as well, both in the current Barrow squad. Uh, Connor Brown's loan spell at United probably not quite so memorable, but there you go. Uh, Billy Buchanan's a, a, an early United player. Terry Caldwell's a very known, well-known Cal United player. He had a time at Barrow too. Mick Cody and Des Collins, they were both uh, Blues and Bluebirds. Um, Andy Cook never played a first-team game for United, did he? But no. you know, it's one of those ones that got away, really, isn't it, really, sadly? But there you go. Uh, very successful in his time at Barrow. Uh, Sam Cosgrove, not too successful in his loan spell at Barrow, in the same way he wasn't massively successful with us, was he? But uh, he'll be back at Brunton Park soon with Shrewsbury. Uh, Tom Cowan. I forget he went to Barrow after he left United, mm. didn't he? For a for a short mm. spell, didn't last too long there. I think it, I think by that point, I think he was pretty much winding up his career, wasn't he? And he yeah. was just uh, winding down, sorry, his career. And I think he was just looking to sort himself. He's a firefighter these days, I seem to remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen a few articles about that. Um, Jamie Devitt, he's had rotten luck ever since he's gone to Holker Street. Um, Mark Doby, an interesting character. Carl Bomb, he only ever played six games for United. He, 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 if you look at his Wikipedia page. It's just that he, he is the definition of like a journeyman striker, basically. He's been all mm. over the place. He had a few spells at Gretna, a few spells at Workington. He was at Barrow as well. I think he was at Queen of the South for a short while. I think the only real football league experience beyond the six games he played for us was, um, I think it was, he played 39 games for Darlington and scored nine goals in a season or something like that. Um, I don't think he's any relation to Scott, by the way, just said before anyone who's curious there. Uh, Darren Edmondson, obviously a legendary player of United, really popular figure. Uh Really popular at Barrow as well. Did a decent job there as manager, I seem to remember, back mm. back in the day too. Um, Mark Ellis, obviously, is the current club captain at um, Barrow. And Paul Farman's obviously there as well at the moment. Um, Steve Finney, he, he spent some time with Barrow after he left United. Uh, Simon Grant, he was a, a strike part, uh, sorry defensive partnership uh, Barrow with um, Danny Livesey, wasn't he? I think Danny Livesey was there yeah, well. he was yeah. on the list later on. Um, and they're at Chester together now as well. Aren't they? And they were at Salford together as well. So it's, <laughs> yeah. it's come as a pair almost, don't they? But strange enough, barely ever played together at United, weirdly. Mm-hmm. Um, past them too. Uh, Lewis Guy, he, he went to Barrow as well after he left United. Uh, Wayne Harrison had a spell with both clubs. Tony Hopper had a, a brief loan spell towards the start of his career, I seem to remember, at Barrow, actually. It wasn't like, it was like maybe a, a month or something, basically, to get a bit of experience. Um, God rest his soul. 
Um, Mike Jones uh, appeared the other night for Barrow, actually, funny enough. His first appearance in 12 months. Great to see him back on the pitch. Uh, Luke Joyce, he, uh, I think, did, did, did he go to Barrow after he left us, I seem to remember, for a bit? Uh, no, he went to Accrington after he left us. Did, did um, he thing, man? I can't seem to remember it. Usually, I'm going to look that up now while we're talking. Um, obviously, doing it. AFC filed these days in the National League North. He had a lone spell at Barrow from us. He only played five games at Barrow. Uh, I thought, for some reason, I'm sure he went there for a bit longer. I couldn't remember, but there you go. So, yeah, he had a, he had a lone spell for five games at uh, Barrow. Um, who have we got next? Danny Lives, we've mentioned already. Uh, Kenny Lowe, infamous Kenny Lowe, who obviously uh, was. Um, yeah, played in that game at uh, Northampton the season we won uh, the third division title, ninety four, ninety five, which uh, went down in infamy basically because of the fact that it was just a, a, bit, a bit of a shambles really. And uh, he, he, I think he only played about two games in his loan spell. I think that was it. And then he was sent back um, from to Birmingham. I think he was on loan from uh, Brendan McGill. He, he went to uh, Barrow mm. as well after he left. I don't, I, some of these you completely forget that they actually went to Barrow, don't you? <laughs> Probably mm. the big careers. Um, Steve McMahon, Stephen McMahon, I should say, not the Stephen McMahon, <laughs> the paper Liverpool, as you may clear. It's a, it's, a, it's a different one. He had a, he had spent time at both clubs. Uh, Colin Meffin, um, Indian-born, uh, Scottish, though. I think his family originally Scottish, but he was born in India. Uh, he was at both clubs. Uh, Glenn Murray, famously, did mm. very well at Barrow in his uh, short spell there before he... Uh, Came to us. Um, Paul Raven, he went to Barrow, I think, again, after he left us. Stephen Riggs, similar. Gavin Rothery. God, I didn't realise he'd gone there. <laughs> there, there there's I forgot he was pass. with us, to be honest. Yeah, well, three or four games, I think that, that was it, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Uh, Kevin Sam, we've had a, a pretty good spell at Barrow, I seem to remember. I might be wrong with that one. Um, brother of um, uh, Bill, Jimmy Shankly. Uh, he played for both clubs in the very early days of United in the league. Uh, Gavin Skelton had a, a decent spell at Barrow. I think he was manager there for a bit as well, but he did okay there. Jeff Smith, uh, he, he spent two games on loan there, I think at the very start of his career. Uh, Ian Stevens went to them after he left us, and famously, obviously, Roddy Collins tried to re-sign him <laughs> after <laughs> that. Um, David Simonton had a short, I think he left Workington to go there for a short spell, and I think he just realised it wasn't, because they were still obviously challenging to try and, get back into the league and stuff back mm. and all get back to being professional and I think he thought this is just isn't for me and went mm. back to playing for Workington Ben Tomlinson yeah less about said about him the better Tom White and Ofrande Zanzala mm. so there you go so that's the full list I'm, I'm just having a quick look through the, the managers list here because I thought there might be a few possibly linkers in terms of management but actually looking down here there's actually <laughs> there isn't as many as I thought to be honest um, Darren Edmondson obviously managed um, Barrow as well Um Darren Sheridan's brother of um, John, so that doesn't really count, does it? Kenny Lowe managed um, Barrow. Yeah, that's pretty much it. There's the, there's mm. there's no real names that have uh, managed both clubs, to be honest. It's a short list that in terms of that. Yeah, so there you go. I think, um, I think you'll struggle to get a list as long as that list of ex-players, though. No, this season. I, well, I think a couple of them have come close. A couple of them have come close. I can't remember which mm. ones, but uh, Rothschild being interesting because I imagine there's a few links with that. Hartlepool was quite a high one as well, wasn't it? So, yeah, we'll have to see. All right, Michael, let's talk about the the game itself, like Barrow AFC. Um, in terms of head to head, we've played them 62 times in competitive fixtures in our history, of which we've won 24, 17 have been draws, and Barrow have won 21. Um, 
they had a tough first season back in the football league, didn't they, Mike? Um, after almost mm. fifty years away, but they've they seem to have settled a bit better this time, don't they? They brought a bit of experience in and a, and a manager and players who've got decent levels of EFL experience. Yeah, I mean, I feel now they're sort of able to sort of settle in the football league and become a football league club. I mean, my big fear, like genuinely terrifies me, is obviously we went decades and decades without sort of playing in the same league as them because. One of the clubs was a terrible non-league club and the other was in the Football League. And that could happen again, but will be the terrible non-league club. Like, it could it could genuinely happen and it terrifies me. Oh, that, 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 that does mm-hmm. worry, worry you, doesn't it? It does worry indeed. Um, yeah, um, they seem to have a decent level of ambition. I think they're being fairly realistic with what they're trying to achieve. And they're trying to keep yeah. themselves in the league this season. I mean, last season... I think for any club coming into the league last season would have been a nightmare. It would have been just yeah, so difficult. Yeah. You had to basically manage what what you had, didn't you? Really, in terms of COVID and stuff like that. Um, but in terms of you look at over the summer, they've seemed to have invested in wages a bit. I mean, they, they brought a couple of players in who you know maybe a couple of years ago they wouldn't have had any chance at hell of signing. Mm. You know, you people like Robbie Gotts from uh, from Leeds and stuff mm. like that. Um, and they're looking to set up their. You've set up, aren't they? I think. I mean, starting that from scratch must be a bit of a nightmare. They must be thinking mm. it's time to stop Carlo pinching some Southern Cumbrian players. Although, to be honest, I mean, uh, Chris mentioned from the Barrow podcast we've pinched some in the past. I don't think there's actually that many we've pinched from from South Cumbria. I think you'd probably find most of them tend to get taken by Preston or Venn, basically. They're the ones who yeah, yeah, them. They and, do. Maybe, and maybe Morecambe have got a few in the past as well. So I, yeah. I don't think we tend to get that many. We tend to go over to Newcastle really for extra ones, don't we? So uh, Yeah, yeah. So there you go. Um, I mean, obviously, this is a home game, so we're not getting a chance to see, but I mean, Holger Street still looks a bit of a non-league ground, does it, when you look at it on telly. It's a little, still a lot, mm. little bit ramshackle, but bit by bit, they're doing little bits. They've got the little fan zone behind the goal and stuff like that. They've done the... The, the behind the Hulk Street and putting a, a roof on it, although those supporting pillars are just going to be an absolute nightmare when we play down yeah. there. Um, but yeah, uh, let's talk about the manager, Mark Cooper. He's certainly not the shy retiring type, is he, Mark Cooper? Mm. I think it's fair to say. He's always one who's had a bit of an opinion and certainly thinks quite highly of himself. I think that's probably fair to say. Um, and he sort of divides a lot of fans, especially at lower league clubs, doesn't he? Some of them really like him, so then hate him and that's some of the people whose clubs he's managed as well um yeah he's not too popular late in orient fantasy for something he said allegedly said Mm. when they played against them uh which he's denied and the fa didn't decide to take a charge against him but the orient fans it's interesting on that one as well because he actually played for late in orient as a player as a player he spent Mm. the season then he did quite well so you think why would you do that against a club where you, you, you're probably quite well liked it's strange behaviour to say the least mm. um, yeah so uh, he's generally done decent jobs at most of the club he's been at but he's never quite been able to get them to the next step or take his career to the next step has he because he, he started mm-hmm. out 20 years ago at, at, um, at Tamworth I remember he was manager at Tamworth when they beat us in the conference wasn't he when mm. Matt Redmile scored that, that goal and we were in that bush shelter behind the goal absolutely dump of the ground that was god help us um and then he had his time at Kettering and he did really well at Kettering and that led to Peterborough looking to bring him in to replace Darren Ferguson who I think went by that point had gone to Preston possibly I think I think he left Peterborough before I seem to remember the first time he left them um yeah and it was an absolute disaster for him there wasn't it (laughs) I think he lasted 13 games and he got sacked yeah basically and 
that was I think that was a bit of an emotional wrench for him as well because he left Kettering just as they'd drawn Leeds in the FA Cup. <laughs> and Leeds were the club that his dad played for, Terry Cooper, for, for years and years and years. So that was a game that would have meant a lot to him and he had to leave before that game, I seem to remember. So then to get sacked 13 games later, you think, <laughs> why did I bother? I mean, obviously the payoff will probably help a little bit, but there you go. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, since then, he's he's been back into the non-league with Darlington, Kettering again for one game and he left after off-the-field issues uh, and a short spell at AFC Telford. And then he had spells at Swindon Town as assistant and then became full-time manager, then left them to go to Notts County and... I think at Notts County, he was basically, he was told, wasn't he, that if he if he um, got a certain number of points, he was going to get the job on a full-time basis. And he hit that points total, and then basically said, I'm not going to stay. And he went to Forest <laughs> Green, because his last game in charge was the game where we beat him 5-0 on the last day of the season. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, he went to Forest Green, he had five successful years. He'd been a player there as well at Forest Green, so I think he was fairly well-liked. Five very successful years getting him into the league, but he just couldn't quite get them to make the next step up. No. And they decided to dispense of his services last season, didn't they? And, well, they seem uh, to be doing better off without him so far. Oh, certainly, certainly, yeah. A really good job they're doing so far this mm. season, as I'll keep reminding you, I predicted them to finish top. <laughs> um, but yeah, he took over at Barron this summer, and he, he seems to have done a solid job so far, would you say? Yeah, you know, I mean, I don't entirely know what the sort of board's expectations are there. Um, mm. But, you know, I mean, they're not, you know, they're not a million miles off the playoffs, to be honest with you. Like, you know, they're sort of mid-table-ish, aren't they? Um, I mean, I, you know, regrettably did that bet in the summer that <laughs> they'll go up. Um, you know, uh because to be honest, I think they look more likely than we do this season. Um, I mean, you, you say they look they're not far off the playoffs. They're they're five points off a playoff place. Yeah, but they're only six points ahead of us. Yeah, if we win, if we beat them on the weekend, we're three points behind them. Mm. So it's 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 still it's still fairly tight at the moment, isn't it? That's the thing. And, yeah, and actually, yeah. I mean, we'll talk about the reads from form in a second, but the, the form's not great at the moment. In terms of the squad, um, Starman, I, I deliberately avoided picking a, an ex-United player for this one because I wanted to try and move away from it. A player that I really like and I would have loved to have seen us sign in the last couple of years and I think he's done really well there and he's done well the last couple of clubs. Ollie Banks, um, he's got a decent pedigree at this level now. He's uh, the former Oldham and Tramier man. He's, he's already become a key member of their squad since he signed in January, hasn't he? And um, this season he's bagged eight goals in 18 appearances. When you watch him, he's, he's, he's about six foot two, isn't he? So he wins a lot in the air as well, mm. which is really useful. He kind of reminds me of a, like a, a little bit more cultured John Mellish in that sense. You know, he's a little bit mm. better on the ball. He's, he's trained as a midfielder rather than a, a, a defender, isn't he? That's probably helped him. But he, he certainly, I mean, he's 29 now, so he's at the peak of his career, so he should be doing well. But he's, he's certainly a player who seems to be imposing on games and uh, Certainly be one to watch out. In terms of other key squad members, I've, I've picked a few out here. You might want to pick a few out, Mike. Uh, Robbie Gotts um, signed from Leeds. I think he was very highly thought of in the Leeds Academy, wasn't he? And I was a bit surprised he dropped to that level, but mm. I think Barrow might have splashed a little bit on wages to bring him in. Um, former United player, Pat Bruff, done a, done a brilliant job to rebuild his career, hasn't he? He's uh, yeah. really good to see I, him doing well I there. think. He- I think he scored more goals last season than our strikers, didn't he? From like left wing back. Uh, possibly he scored quite a few. Syndrome, yeah. Yeah, you might be right on that one. And uh, another one, uh, Josh Gordon, one of the summer recruits from Walsall. He seems to be settling in quite well now. He's a player who's always impressed me, but he's also one that he's impressed me at the same time, flat to deceive a bit. You always feel like you're good, but you're not doing as well as you really should be doing. 
And the fact that he's left Walsall to go to Barrow maybe suggests to me he's still not quite hitting the expectation you would for a player of his mm. quality. Mm. Um, any of you'd pick out from the squad, Mike? Uh, no, I mean, the, to be honest, it's all of the sort of ex-Blues that we kind of mentioned <laughs> before. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, like, you know, you said that you wanted to avoid mentioning ex-Blues with it, but you kind of can't, to be honest with you. Well, yeah, um, in, the, in the style moment, I wanted to avoid it, but, I mean, you look through them, I mean, we've got to mention the, 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 the two that left in the summer to go the, down the A595, Paul Farman and yeah. Ozzy Zanzala. I mean, start with Farman, I mean... I don't think there's much doubt we've missed him a bit this season, and we his presence in goal. Yeah, obviously his presence in goal, and like you mentioned to the uh, Barrow guy, is kicking. Um, we've really, really missed that. Um, so yeah, um, it's and like like I say, obviously Zanzala, you know, he's a nightmare to defend against. Um, but yeah, I'm 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 confident though. I, th- I don't think that they've won in something like the last five league games. No, no. We'll, we'll we'll touch on the form shortly. The, 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 their form's not not great at all, actually. To be honest, in the league at least, anyway. Yeah. Um, uh, I th- I think uh, this is just going off the top of my head. They've only failed to score in something like two league games this season. Well, against our defence, they won't have much trouble there. Yeah, so, so they they always seem to manage to at least score. So it might be a case if we have to score more than. Yeah, possibly. I mean, with Farman and Zanzale, um, I think it's interesting to see what reception they get from the fans. Because, I mean, Hope got a bit of stick at the Olden game, didn't he? And I thought it was a bit weird because I don't think Hope was a particularly bad person. And he, and he, and then we got a transfer fee for him when he was out of contract at the end of the season. He could have left it, for nothing, it, couldn't it, he? It's our, it's our fans. So, like, we could literally have a player, like, walk on water during the floods and save a baby from a house and leave us. <laughs> and then, like, They'll just boo them. Like yeah. next time we played against them. I mean, I, I think I think there's a little bit contrasting with the t- between the two in that in that Farman left because we didn't offer him a two year deal based on yeah. security. Essentially, that was the, the big problem. We all know that now, and that's fair enough. And I think he probably deserves yeah. a, a good applause because he was a good player for us last season, a big player. Mm. Sanzala came in for his half a season, was by all accounts offered a fairly decent deal. And basically turned it down to go and get a bit of extra money down the road at Barrow. Yeah. Which, which he's entitled to do. He's entitled to yeah. do. But if you're going to give either of them stick, I think he's probably the one you would give stick, isn't he? <laughs> to be yeah. honest, out of the two. Yeah. But yeah, but there you go. But uh, I, I can 100% see with Zanzala as well, he is not going to be the player who kind of mutes his celebrations when he scores against us. Like, he's he's going to love it, isn't he? Like, oh, yeah. You just yeah. know he is. I'd imagine, I'd imagine Farmer will be similar if he saves the penalty and stuff like that. You know you know what he's like. He's got his odd, odd little uh, ticks and stuff like that, hasn't he? So, yeah. Uh, so there you go. Um, obviously, we touched on Bruff already, but, I mean, in terms of the other players, I mean, Mark Ellis is the club captain there. He uh, got subbed in a, in a game the other day because he was struggling a bit. He didn't play against Banbury in the FA Cup, so whether he'll feature this weekend, we don't know. It'd be nice to see him back, at least. I think he was a... A player did really well for us. I mean, Tom White, most fans probably won't even realise he was on our books yeah, for quite yeah. a while, to be honest. That's probably not even worth mentioning. Connor Brown, we discussed before, he he, had, he did okay in his loan spell. He was solid enough, you know, came in and did a job, basically, didn't he, for his uh, mm. few months. Um, and the other two former Blues favourites, Jamie Devitt and Mike Jones, have just had rotten luck with injuries. I mean, Jones played the other night, which was lovely to see. Yeah, probably not going to feature this weekend because I think he said he was. He basically said he was blown out his backside after eighty minutes. Yeah, the other night because he so long since he'd played, and Devitt is just one thing after another for him, isn't it? And it's it's really sad actually to see the way his, his career just 
it's completely stagnated if they're best really since he left us. Yeah, it's a shame. It, it might be one of them uh, retirement by defaults by the end of the season. I think he might struggle to certainly get I, another football I, league. I, I'd imagine it might be one where he has to look at National League possibly and yeah. somewhere like an AFC fouled maybe where you can play a little bit and you know, can yeah. and stuff on the side. Yeah, so there you go. That's uh, the the X Blues. Like you said, Mike, there, in terms of current form, they actually sit 18th in the last six games form table. Um, as mm. you mentioned, they haven't won in the last five. They're United, I should say, United at the bottom of the form table. <laughs> so let's, let's not crow about anything here. Like, we're, <laughs> that we're, we're, we're bloody awful, so there you go. Mm. Um, but yeah, if you if you go back to the last six games, uh, back to the sixth last game, it, the record is one, one drawn, lost, drawn, drawn, lost. Basically, so they're not really. They've, they've dropped off quite a bit because they were around about the playoffs when they got that last win, weren't they, I think? And they mm. really dropped down at the table. And I think that last win was against Mansfield, who had 10 men. Yeah, so, it was indeed. You know. it was indeed. Um, mm. They're hoping to pick up their first win against United since 1960. Or if I'm going to be slightly fair, I should say in eight games, basically, since they last beat us. <laughs> so, uh, so there you go. So a little bit of a misleading statistic, that I think it's fair to say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm expecting a tough game. I really am. I think it's going to be. I think it could be exciting. I mean, look, they've sold fifteen hundred or seventeen hundred tickets for the game, which is fantastic. Mm. Great for them. Um, we obviously don't get as many in return because you know Hulker Street's too small. But um, but yeah, it, it should be a, a really interesting game, shouldn't it? And hopefully a decent atmosphere. And, mm. I mean, the, the club have put a tweet out today to say, "Oh, you know, we've sold four, just under six pound tickets." I'm presuming that's including the Barrow tickets. Mm. Uh, get yourself down for a, you know, get yourself tickets in advance. Now, normally there's quite a few walk-ons, so probably pushing on seven thousand the attendance for the game. Well, I'd say I'm a bit disappointed. That's the first real mention of the game. The yeah, I mean, we've we've said we've said ourselves we don't call it a derby, but I think yeah. from a marketing point of view, the club should maybe you know sell it up a little bit. It, it, look, it's one of those things. It's like the, the guy from the Barrow said that for the younger fans, it is more exciting because they consider themselves Cumbrians mm. of Barrow, and they, for them, it's, it's you know first time we ever got to replay them since the sixties mm. and stuff like that. So it's it, it's exciting. Mm. We should be put, we should be clinging on to that and, and finding the hook and pushing for it, pushing it as the mm. big story. That's what we should be doing. Yeah, but yeah. A little bit disappointing. I feel like if they really tried, they could have got to about eight or nine thousand this game potentially. Mm. As it is, we'll probably probably get seven or eight. I mean, well, that, probably that, just over seven. I think that's the thing as well. You know, the whole like ten k for MK and all that that we did. Like the club can market a game yeah. and and sell tickets. You know, you almost but, wonder if they're a little bit worried that we don't want a big crowd and the way we're playing at the moment, <laughs> too big of well, a crowd and messing up. But. It's ridiculous yeah. when you think that, but there you go. Mm. Um, well, let's talk about United then. Obviously, Josh Dixon and Magnus Norman are both out. Brendan Dickinson hoping to have recovered from the dead leg he picked up against Northampton a couple of weeks ago, but again, we don't mm. really want to rush it. I think if he's fit, he comes back in, I think, to be honest. I know Clough did okay in the wing, but I'd, I'd get him straight back in if he is fit. Um, we said it in the, the review section. Isn't it a hard time that Alessandra and Abrahams were dropped? Yeah. I mean, maybe Abraham's only come back in for the last couple of games. It's probably harsh to say time they were dropped, but I think I think it's young has earned his chance, hasn't he? Oh, definitely. I mean, for me, it looks like Millen quite likes four four two or like yeah. a variation of it. I would have that's um, basically. He's, he has admitted he he's not basically a stickler for I just I already play his formation. He's looking at the players we've got available and saying, mm. right, we're gonna have to play this, isn't it? That's what he said. Yeah, I mean, it was something. To be honest, it's. 
wasn't something we mentioned in the sort of post-match uh, discussion, but they were talking about it on Radio Cumbria quite a bit, and that's uh, John Mellish. Can he play as a two in midfield? And I'm not sure he can. No, uh, you know, they weren't so sure. And for me, I think the way to do it is play Clough in, in, in the hole, number 10. Yeah. Keep Mellish on the bench, but bring him on at 60 minutes. And Because... Yeah. Mellish is generally not very effective in the last 30 minutes of a game when he's picked up a silly booking yeah. earlier on. So bring him on at 60 minutes against tired players and he'll just chase down everything. He'll barge yeah. into everyone. He'll cause so many problems. Um, but, you know, it, I'm not saying bring him on as a 10. I'm saying, you know, take Clough off as a 10 and bring Mellish right into the middle, right yeah. into the thick. And ob- obviously stick uh, um, Young as your, uh, as your lone striker. Well, yeah, well what, you, what you just do then is basically you, you go to a 4 3 3, stick Malish into the three, yeah. and you push Dickinson and Gibson a bit further up the pitch. Yeah, in the yeah. Last 20 minutes or something like that. And I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I'd, I'd, 100% I'd give Young a start in this game. I mean, he probably won't. I'm pretty sure he won't actually, but I'd, I'd, be, I'd have been tempted to, to put Fishburne in, even, <laughs> to be mm. honest. I know it sounds mad, but I think the lad thrives on, a, on the pressure. I think he looks, he looks really up for it in games. and... Mm. I hope he's on the bench at the very least. I hope that we don't see yeah. him drop from the bench because he, he he showed enough in those games. I think he's worth a run of at least coming on and causing problems um, in games. I, I'm with you. I think I'd probably look at maybe dropping Mellish. I think I'd probably look at... It's, it's tough one because obviously Mellor came in for the, the game on Tuesday night that we don't talk about. Um, and you do wonder maybe does he want to bring him back into experience in the defence? Do, do you maybe mm. then look at... Oh, oh, sorry, sorry, I should have mentioned the injuries. Lucas Jensen is also out injured as well, isn't he? He's picked up a wrist injury, so he's going to be yeah. off for a little bit. So it's going to be Scott Simons probably on the bench, or Gab Breeze, whichever one of them. Um, so, yeah, it, it's... So I think I'd probably... I'd, the team I'd probably go with would be Howard in Nets, Miller yeah. at right-back, Armour at left-back. I mean, you've not got much choice there, to be honest. Centre-backs, I think... I don't think... I, I can't see him changing Whelan and McDonald's. And this is last chance to live for McDonald. We didn't, we didn't mention him in the review section because there wasn't really any point because the defence had nothing to do. Mm. But if he can't do it in this game, then that's it. He, he, he's, he's out of the team for me. Yeah. It's his last chance. I, personally, I wouldn't probably have started him, but, but I, I certainly I'd be looking to get Feeney into the team. I think he's a better defender than both of them. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, saying all this, Divine played on in the midweek game and so did Wheeling in midfield and mm. you do wonder if he's maybe looking at those potential options. I wouldn't read too much into that game because it, it's a mm. nothing game that means nothing. So, But yeah, uh, I'd play Gibson on the right. Um, it's obviously, I should, sorry, I should say that McDonald and Wheeling are going to be centre-backs, I think. I can't see beyond that. Uh, Gibson on the right. Mm. If he's fit, Dickinson on the left. If not, put Clough there. And then I'd play Riley and Guy in the middle. Yeah, And up front... If Dickinson's fit, Clough and Young. If Dickinson's not fit, Clough on the left. And then I'd play Young. And I'd probably play Alessandro with Young, actually. I think mm. that, might, that might work quite well, actually. I think, I'd, in my personal opinion. Um, mm. Yeah, I wouldn't have Abrams in the team, personally, under what I've seen mm. the last few games. Not been good enough, frankly. So Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that, that's more or less what I'd play. I don't know what your, your thoughts are on it, Mike. Yeah, I mean, I think the back four is probably going to be roughly what you've just said. Um, yeah, like I say, I'd, I'd probably have Riley and Guy sitting behind uh, Clough in the 10 and then take Clough off on 60 minutes. Uh, and I'd have, um, you know, oh, what's his chops? Uh, on the on the right, 
Gibson. Gibson, that's the one. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, yeah, him on the right, and uh, maybe Dickinson if he's fit um, on the left. I mean, you know. T- then again, Taylor Charters doesn't really disappoint when he when he plays wherever you play him. Um, yeah, and obviously young up front, and uh, hopefully Abrams not even in the uh, matchday squad. <laughs> Ooh, that's a bit, a bit harsh, <laughs> isn't it? Really? No, my, my... Well, I'd, I'd I'd rather see Fishburne, and you yeah. know, who do you think both? Though that's the question. I don't know. Mm. But there you go. Um, yeah, so let's let, let's do predictions then. Dan Summers predictions. So I'll play Dan's first. That's tradition. So here's Dan's prediction. Ah, the Radio Cumbria Derby. Nothing less than a 5-0 win, please. Oh, uh, Club Hattrick, Young and Gibson. Let's smash these Barovians up the blues. Oh, my God, I can't believe he's done that. I can't believe he's actually done that. Oh, well, go on, Mike. Go. Tell me well, yours. Like I say, you know the. Uh, I think they've only gone two league games without scoring. So uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go through a th- for a three-two thriller, uh, and I'm gonna go for Clough scoring one, Young scoring the other, and Sam Fishburne coming off the bench to score a late winner. Oh, you, you're reading my mind a little bit that way because yeah. I'm going for a goal fest. Mm. I'm gonna go for a four-three win. Something to you, and I'm going to go for Clough to get a goal, Young to get a brace, and then, like you, I think Fishburne will come on and get the winner. Yeah. And it'll be absolute scene. 90th minute winner, absolute scenes, tears in the away end. Oh, I've, got, <laughs> I've, got, I've got the bug from Dan, what have I done? Oh, no. Uh, oh, no, what have I done? Yeah, so there you go. That That's our predictions for the A595 derby. Blimey, we're going to be embarrassed, aren't we, I think, after saying all this, so there you go. Yeah. Uh, X-File section, Mike. It's not as long as usual, so we'll, we'll bash through it quickly. Uh, Dan's obviously not here to do it. Uh, first up, I had to double-check this one because the, the the official record of it on the BBC site didn't show him up as scoring it. Ryan Loft scored an own goal in Scunthorpe's 1-0 defeat to Doncaster Rovers. I watched the video of it. It is an own goal. It's a great own goal. Actually, he slices a volley into the, back of, into the top corner of his own net. Brilliant stuff from Ryan Loft. So they lost 1-0 to Doncaster Rovers in the first round of the Cup. Uh, Joe Garner, he scored in Fleetwood's 2-1 defeat to Burton Albion. Again, this one, I watched this goal. And it sort of comes in, it's across across the sort of six-yard box, or more or less across three yards out. And he swings it, and I think he's almost putting it wide, but it hits a defender in the face and goes in. So <laughs> probably an own goal, really, but mm. Garner's been given it. Uh, Mark Cullen, he scored in Hartlepool's uh, impressive 2-2 draw with League One side Wickham Wanderers. Um... Adam Campbell, he scored in Gateshead's 2-2 draw with Altrinum. They were 2-0 up in this Gateshead and they conceded two late goals, including a 95th minute equaliser. Ross will look for them that day. Uh, Gary Medini scored a penalty in Blackpool's 1-1 draw with QPR and Callum O'Hare scored in Coventry City's 3-2 win over Bristol City. Zanzala scored in Barrow's 4-0 win over Banbury in the FA Cup. Uh, good bit of pressure from Zanzala, actually. He sort of closed it down in a... Uh, Nipped in to score the goal. A decent mm. bit of play from him. Uh, Ryan Bowman, uh, he seems to have gone from strength to strength since his little heart scare, wasn't he, really? It's uh, quite incredible. He scored a brace in Shrewsbury's 5-1 win over Stratford Town to earn them a place against United in the next round of the Cup. And finally, Aaron Hayden scored in Wrexham's 5-0 win over Aldershot in midweek. Um, I should say that uh, Gimme Sorry didn't play in this game. He's picked up an injury. So I'd imagine he's probably on his way back to Burnham Park in the next week or two when his load spells mm. up. I can't see him staying there. And uh, the only other bit of news for the X-Files this week is that Adam Clayton has left Birmingham City after having his contract 
terminated by mutual consent. I've heard, seen a few fans suggesting we should go in for him. Uh, let's be realistic here. Adam Clayton yeah. is not coming to Carlisle United. No, <laughs> He's never. going to a, probably a, 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 maybe a low-end championship club, but probably a League One club. He'll, he'll be snapped up by them, no, but yeah. he don't, he's not dropping to a team that is struggling to stay in the league. And if, it, it, it's it's not as well, by by all accounts, it's not like he has particularly fond memories of his time with us, I would think. He, I think he, he did okay, and I think he did... He, no, like, he, 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 he did okay, but, but, I mean, like, at the time, he was sort of very much of the mindset, like, I'm at Man City, I'm only on loan here, yeah. do you know what I mean? Well, I think he maybe he might have grown up a little bit better than I don't know, mm. but um, but yeah, I think we need to be very realistic when it comes to Johnny Belt, the kind of players we've been go for. That said, I've heard a few whispers that we might be going in for Paul Huntington, maybe at Preston. Oh. I mean, it's one that fans have been calling for anyway, but I mean, it might just be the old jungle drums coming mm. out with nonsense. But <laughs> would you forgive him for what happened at Leeds? I don't I tell you what, if he kept in the league, he'd do what the hell he wants, quite frankly. Well, he fits the bill of experienced centre back, doesn't he? Now, so oh, yeah, genuinely be brilliant. I genuinely think it'd be a brilliant mm. sign for us if we could get him to come. Mm. But I'd imagine there'd be a lot of teams interested in his services and where he wants to come to his hometown club, but be in a relegation battle is another thing mm. altogether. Well, there you go, Mike. That's uh, today's episode done. Uh, thanks once again to our sponsors, The London Branch. Uh, remember, you can subscribe to the podcast via all good podcast apps, whether it's Google, Acast, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts. You can find us all in there. Just search for The Brent Bugle, click subscribe, and every time we put a new episode out, it'll come straight into your uh, app. Um, you can follow us on social media, uh, at Brunton Bugle on Twitter. Search for Brunton Bugle on Facebook. And we're also on the Be Just and Fear Not Facebook group and on uh, the Cumberlands.net message board as well. And if you want to drop us an old-fashioned email, you can do that to bruntonbugle at gmail.com. Um, I should mention, you remember the we, we talked last week about the, the supporter option thing that you'll probably hear now at the start of the podcast. You'll hear the little uh, message saying, if you want to support this podcast, you can you can make a monthly donation. Find it in the description for the show. Uh, overwhelming the support we've had, Mike, aren't we, really? We've had a, yeah, incredible yeah. Amount of contributions. The amount we've had so far, we've we basically had the equivalent amount we had in the previous month already for this month. And I think, as a result, we've probably covered about seven or eight months of the studio costs for the podcast, which is fantastic. We're not demanding money. We're not desperate for it. We're not saying you need to give it up. We're not going to do it anymore. It was just, it would be really helpful if you did. And people have been so generous. So thank you so much. A big shout out to all them, especially to the the Newcastle United fan who's donated five quid to us. Um, uh, Brilliant for you to do that. I think his granddad was a Carl United fan base and he follows us as the second team. So fantastic. And there's a few people we all know who've contributed as well. And, my doff my cap to you all. Thank you very much yeah. for, for your contributions. Uh, there's no new countries on the world map this month, by the way. This week, even I've, I've had a look, and no one's been anywhere exotic recently. So, if you know someone who lives in a really weird country or something, just just tell them to download an episode. <laughs> Don't even care if they're a Carlisle I just want to be able to say, look, it's there. It's on the stats. We've we've had a listener there. So there you go. Upcoming episodes, Mike. Before we finish, um, obviously, we'll, we'll next week we'll be previewing the Exeter City game, but we're also potentially going to do a little special episode for this, aren't we? Yeah, because uh, regressively we're going to drive down, aren't we? <laughs> What's got into us? I don't know. Basically, we've both got a free weekend that we didn't think we'd both have. You, you knew you had the free weekend. We were yeah. going to give it a miss, but I've had a free weekend come up at the last minute. So as a result. I'm probably going to be going down with you to to Exeter next week. So we'll do a little road trip episode talking about what what it's like driving down and stuff and what it's like down there because it's an interesting setup at Exeter now. It's changed a lot. I think last time I went was 10 years ago. Hell of a long time. I've never been. I just want to get it ticked off and done. 
and I, I, I wasn't sure if you'd actually been or not so there fair mm. play we'll we'll get that ticked off yeah so we'll be doing that and obviously the state of the club episode but i'm hoping we'll record it to, on this sunday after the barrow game basically because i'm yeah. hoping dan might be free but i'll have to double check on that one so that could be an interesting one if we do that then if not over the week after probably so we'll we'll get something done and we'll we'll ask for some of your contributions toward that as well if you want to tweet us what you want us to talk about in terms of that please do and uh i think that's it mike isn't it that's it yep. for this week uh hopefully we'll all be celebrating uh being cumbria's top side at the weekend <laughs> there we go thanks everyone for listening and up the blues up the blues